hi everyone uh welcome to today's episode of the mastering retention podcast today is a very special day because i do believe that this is our hundredth episode of mastering retention which kind of blows my mind um now you might not believe it but when we started doing this i was kind of terrified of doing a podcast because i'm kind of introverted i might not be able to uh or you might not know that offhandedly, but yeah, talking to people kind of terrified me. But um, as I forced myself into it and I started doing the first few episodes, it's actually become like probably my favorite time of the week. I get to talk to really brilliant people like Yossi Tal, who's on today, um, and ask them all sorts of fun and, and uh, interesting questions. Like, I feel like I'm like getting so much out of this. If I can just retain 3% of, you know, what you say, I become, you know, so much smarter. So truly a privilege. Um, oh yeah. I am Tom Hammond, uh, co-founder of UserWise and the host today, but, uh, what a special episode. Um, and today we have a very, very exciting, um, episode, uh, that we're going to be going to through today. Um, but before we get to that, Yossi, I always like to start with, you know, what's your story? What's your journey? How'd you get into games? Okay, so first of all, I'm really privileged to be here, especially in the 100th episode, my first podcast <laughs> as well. Uh, actually, I started my career as an engineer, so switching into product management uh, after 10 years was a bit of a challenge. Like, I, as you already said, you're introverted, as do I. I used to live in my own box, code, and not talk to many people when I should when I didn't have a good reason to. <laughs> and when I uh, switched to product, I realized I need to be a pivot. I need to talk with people. I, I need to talk to people differently. The way you talk to an engineer, the way you talk to an analyst or someone from design and art is very different. So th this is, the, I think, the, the, the biggest thing I, I learned in my early days. And um, so as far as, as my journey, as, as I mentioned, I, I started as an engineer. I ended up in a company called Dragonplay, and now it's called Sapplay. Uh, so I've been an engineer in one of the legacy games, uh, in the poker games. After about four years, and uh, they offered me an opportunity to uh, transition into a bot of role, and I accepted. I had always like, like um, interest and, and love for you know, the high-level journey of a player, something that you, you wouldn't expect from a back-end engineer. <laughs> uh, things that, uh, like uh, user experience and, and all of those design elements. So I was very... First of all, I'm a gamer myself, so it, it really helps. Um, all the way from, you know, playing in the arcade to consoles to PC and now mobile. So I was always interested in to put myself in the shoes of a player and see uh, what are the challenges and, and, and pains. So um, when I transitioned into my first product role, I learned all the pain of being a product manager. <laughs> suddenly, I'm in the shoes of the, the, the guy who decides the why and the how and the when. So uh, um, when I was an engineer, I used to think, hey, this product dude doesn't know what he's talking about. Suddenly, it's the other way around. They, they think, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I, I learned a lot from the engineers, I learned a lot from my peers and learning what data is and learning the, the industry. 
I didn't know anything about slot games. So it was a social casino company. I learned a lot. I used to also love it. And my first time in, in the casino was very exciting. And uh, after about four years, been a product manager there. I also transitioned into a bigger uh, team uh, where I went to a really good, a really big uh, rewrite in a game called Quicket Casino. And I found a new opportunity in Scopely. I've been there for about a year. It was a relocation opportunity that uh, didn't go well due to personal reasons. And now I'm in Papaya Gaming, which is a very interesting company, skill-based, real money gaming. Yeah. Um, very new in, in, the, in the industry. So um, re- really interesting challenges there because something that you think would work from free to play, you need to adjust your mind a bit. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but uh, a, lot of, a lot of elements are still there, retention-wise or other KPIs, but you need to make the switch to, hey, those, those players could uh, uh, withdraw their money at any time. You need to give them en- enough reason to play, to stay uh, for mm-hmm. the long term. And yeah, so that's the high-level journey for, for me. That's really awesome. Well, folks, we have a special episode in store for you today. Um, Yossi has put together a whole episode on retention. Um, So it's going to be awesome. Um, So let's dive in. Um, Yossi, start with maybe the basics. You know, obviously, everyone kind of gets the idea that, yeah, keeping your players around day after day, week after week, ideally year after year, right, is better. Um, but uh, what would you say the pillars of retention strategy should be? Okay, so when you think you, uh, about reasons that player comes back and play your game, you need to talk about the, the different type of player, different motivations. So you could divide this into, let's say, four of those progression that I have something to do. Could be today, this week, this month, or for the long term. Uh, could be something like status. I have earned something for something that you know it took me so long. I'm now in the level of champion, and 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 I, I want to keep it that coming. I want to keep my status, or maybe even become better. Uh, another element could be social. I play where my friends are. Uh, I like to meet new people. I, I like to play with the friends I have. Like maybe could be someone from my family or someone from my friends. And another element could be personalization. Like I've played so much in this game. I've earned this hat and this costume and this, uh, you know, shiny new, uh, I don't know, shield or a hammer. And I want to keep more and I don't want to lose it. So I, I keep playing because I've enjoyed it, uh, so much uh, the things that I've earned. So I, I think that, that these pillars pretty much cover most of the motivations. Of course, you know, for social, it could be, hey, I'm a competitive player or uh, someone who likes to collaborate with other people. So th- those uh, divide uh, between those uh, a bit. Um, but yeah, like the, those are the different motivations as far as I can see them. Okay, I've got some questions. Um, progression. I like, I, like, I kind of get the idea of short, me, like medium and like long-term goals and stuff, but I'm... I'm struggling to connect the dots. So yeah. um, I don't know. I, it, let's say like clash of clans, 
you know, mm-hmm. how would these progressions work within there? Or is there a better game to like have an example of like, you know, what's my maybe daily goals, my weekly or monthly, or maybe like a year long goal or, or what is the right frame of time mm-hmm. for each of these to, to think in? Yeah. So when you the divide progression into short, medium and long term, you could think about these are like, I'll give like the, the examples I have on top of my head. You come in the game, you have a daily mission. You have something to do today to, to complete and get a reward or something for tomorrow. Um, this could be from any game that you can find in the industry. Uh, I, I like to present something that, that I had in my previous company in a game called Jack for Party. They had an interesting thing. They would give you a list of uh, things to do today, spins X times or uh, win the uh, certain amount of chips, uh, a subset of, of tasks tailored for you. And as a reward, you would get coins to continue your great session and something for tomorrow, let's say a booster, like double XP for tomorrow. So you, you kind of hit two spots here. You, you extend the session by giving your players something to, to do and have fun as a reward for their investment and also a reason to come back tomorrow. So it, it works on, on the dual purpose here. Uh, for a weekly mission, uh, they have like multiple things that you can do. Sometimes a daily mission contributes to a weekly goal. Sometimes uh, it doesn't. And let's say games like uh, House of Fun, they have a, a seasonal event that they have like a weekly bar. So this weekly bar uh, feels as a result from the daily task that you're doing. So this is a good example of how features feed each other. And for something that's like a seasonal thing, like the more like be one month or two months, you could do like any season pass. Flash Royale is my greatest example because I'm a sucker for Flash Royale. Uh, so you have the things to do. You have also an opportunity to monetize your player because you have two tracks of rewards. So um, this is like a good example of something that should last up to a month. Of course, you need to um, present the life of it to a player. So why am I doing this today? Why am I doing this for the entire week? Or what am I getting if I invest enough to the entire season? So thinking about Clash Royale, and I play that game a lot. Um, once you max out your, you know, cards in your deck, like is, is, does it really progression kind of goes away and it's more about status of like how high up the ladder you kind of get there. Like tell Mm -hmm. me a little bit about how status kind of works with this. So status could be anything from, Hey, I'm getting my card into a certain status. I'm getting like a gold shiny, um, um, team for it or, you know, uh, customization. It could be anything other than that, like achievements. So, in heyday or other games, you have like achievements. You've played five games, you've built five buildings, you've done this, you've done that. You've played for a year. That's also a, an achievement to celebrate each and every milestone you have in the game. And also, if you're more into the competitive games like Clash Royale, you have a leaderboard, you have leagues, you have things that also you can lose if you don't play. So in Clash Royale, you have a season. Uh, with the, with the leagues, if you don't play enough, you might drop out or be demoted to a lower league. 
So you lose your status. So that's another reason to keep playing day after day or, or season after season. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, let's talk about social a little bit. Um, like I, I know for me, when I played Clash of Clans and Clash Royale, which were, you know, probably the <laughs> two like mobile games that I played the most, um, after a certain while, I pretty much just logged into those games out of like an obligation for my guild because I knew they were doing like a, a clan war or something. So I need to log in and do my part. So um, social has always kind of been interesting to me. Um, would you say that social is the most important part of like true long-term retention? It depends on the game, but if mm -hmm. you want to max out on, on the, the impact, you would add some social element to the game. It could be some, something as little as sending lives or sending gifts in a game, but it's, I think that the, the most impact you will have if you join people into some teams, some guilds, some clans to have common goal or maybe even compete with other clans. So uh, what, what you were discussing before, it's called like social obligation. You feel obliged <laughs> to, to come back and play a game. But also, it, it shouldn't be a task. It should be something that is worth to you as well. If I will contribute to this, I don't know, clan wars or anything that uh, happens in the game, I also gain from it for my personal journey. So as long as those two are connected, if I help my team, I gain something for myself and not just the team, I think it, it's the, the, the best impact. Also, you, you would often see uh, things like... Uh, a clan offer or something that you you purchase something for yourself but you also give something to your team so mm. if you're on the receiving end you say hey tom just just bought the, the clan pack and i just received something for free it makes me feel better i'm now feel maybe obliged to do the same for the other people so all of these like it, it turns into a loop that people are giving or reciprocating so this way it, it makes people come back play the game enjoy it even more feel more connected to the game and not just feel like it's it's a daily task just to log in and do something interesting that actually reminds me of uh clash of clans um their battle pass mechanic and how and the real reason that i would buy it um it wasn't for the content that i got for myself it was actually for the one gem donations of clan troops to, to uh, folks. So basically, as you play Clash of Clans, you have this thing called the clan castle. Um, mm -hmm. And people in your clan can donate troops to your clan castle, which you can use as an extra force multiplier for an attack, which mm -hmm. is sometimes essential to be able to defeat certain bases. Or you use them as defense. So when your base gets attacked, these troops will come out and they'll, you know, kill the enemy troops and it can save you a lot of resources and stuff. Um, but in order to get those, someone in your clan has to mess up their own army, spend time creating the troops that you want and go through the process. And, you know, I tell you what, it was a pain in the butt to do so. Like I would like mess up my army comp and sometimes I would forget about it. Or by the time it was like ready, somebody else in the clan had donated those troops. And now I messed up my whole army. I've got all these things that I don't want in there. And 
you know, it was just a pain in the butt. And then they introduced the battle pass, which said, you know, if you buy the battle pass, we're going to give you one gem donations for clan castle stuff. So I can, I don't have to mess with my army or anything like that. It's just like one little gem and I can donate, you know, each of these different creatures. So they get exactly what they want. Um, and I would buy the battle pass just to have access to that so that I'm doing my fulfillment of social obligation, but it takes away so much pain for me of not having to like deal with all this hassle and time management to fulfill this obligation. Mm-hmm. And I get all this extra useful, interesting stuff that comes along with the battle pass, but I really bought it for that social obligation there. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious, like, have you ever seen any other type of social obligation mechanic or, or something like similar to that, that like drive certain behaviors that you wouldn't see otherwise? Uh, I think you, you, we discussed good examples for it. Like it, it could be anything from a live up with a team that you're enrolled into a team and then you need to do something. It could be a guild. It could be the, the thing that you mentioned with the battle pass. Now the battle pass is a very magical thing. It attacks <laughs> so many KPIs and so many motivations that it could tech, it could be relevant to anyone. Like it could be relevant to, to me because I want to, uh, in class, for example, I want to cue my chest and I need, and I want to have more benefits in the game. It could be for the social player like you, that you want to gain something from the battle pass in order to achieve something better with your clan. It could be for the, the, the people who want to gain more stuff, more cosmetics from the battle pass itself. So the, the battle pass is something that, you know, once you create the, the, the proper mechanics, the proper rewards, the proper social elements, this balpas can connect everything and it doesn't really you know touch about retention it touches about the great features that you can have in the game as long as you build the infrastructure for it uh, as far as social itself the other mechanics uh, not something that comes to mind but of course that if you deliver the power proposition of being social and what it contributes to you it, it makes things worthwhile because it, it's not only, hey, send gems to someone or s- send uh, a gift to someone. It's also, hey, if you send a gift, you gain something back or you you gain more status, you gain more, more points into, into something that touches on your own journey. So uh, it, it's really interesting to you know, map out your game, see what things you can do with social to make the journey of the player worthwhile. You know, it's interesting with social. Um, I remember I was talking to a, a buddy of mine who worked on World of Warcraft and um, they were having issues with their early player retention. And most of their efforts was going towards like the elder game play, you know, all the players that have been around for years and years. Um, and when they really looked hard as far as, you know, why are these players not staying around like they used to stick around? Well, turns out there's weren't that many of them they weren't like getting together grouping and doing quests together and joining guilds and things like that. And so they said, how can we make it more social? And they had no dev resources. So what did they do? They made a free Facebook group and they added a little link on the launcher that said, don't forget to join our Facebook group. And a good number of people did. And those players that did, it increased their retention by 50%. 
um, just because they made it a little bit easier for them to find and play with other players to get that social experience is really, you know, key to World of Warcraft. I thought it was super fascinating, but I digress. Um, tell me about personalization. Okay, so personalization is all about, I want more shit. And I, and I love <laughs> the shit that I, I got, and I want to get even more. And it, it even it even better if it connects to some sort of, you know, a competition. I have more stuff than you. I have more value than you. And this uh, one game that I played in, in the last year that really takes it to another level, which is Project Makeover. Now, I know what people are going to say. Hey, this is a very, you know, feminine game that you need to design and, and, and all sort of elements. But if you're looking from a game design perspective, it, it, does, it does an excellent job. What you do, you you renovate some space, and on the way you gain um, items and customization for your own personal space, your own avatar, your own uh, let's say little room inside the game. Now, as far as you know, being in a, there and you know it, it's like a metaverse, creating your own avatar and playing around with different clothes and different uh, hats and different cosmetics that you have. There's also some element of leaderboard there uh, mm. that you have a closet ward. So they transform all of the cosmetics that you own to some you know, value. And then they have a leaderboard that you can rank people in, uh, as far as the, the, the closet value that they have. So this is a very interesting thing that you're competing with others over, I have more stuff than you, which is very interesting. Uh, but you know, as far as cosmetics and personalization like you you have like different vanity items like different banners in, in different games uh, frames for your profile uh, emojis which is something that you you wouldn't think that it could do much impact but uh, as far as social games like uh, clash royale and other games these are the things that people are spending hard currency on or getting as a reward in battle passes and other competitions which doesn't cost any money to the game like you're not you're not giving something back as far as you know currency but you're giving them an experience you're giving them value in in personalization they they have an opportunity to express themselves better in the game because of that so it's always great to add some elements if you're able to because then you would diversify the rewards that you're giving to the players and not just you know currency mm-hmm. currency currency and it makes things interesting. It makes uh, an opportunity for players to diversify, to differentiate themselves from other players. If you're having like a, a huge leaderboard in the game, like you would have in, uh, I don't know, uh, also the game like in Project Makeover or other games, uh, Yahtzee with Bodies, where I play, where I was uh, previously, uh, to see players with different frames, different profile banners. That they got from a live up or they got from the the battle pass or they got from because they bought it with hard currency it makes you think hey maybe i want this item as well maybe i want this you know gold shiny christmas uh, frame for my avatar as well mm. and it, it 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 makes you think it makes you compare with people uh it it, it stands out because it's not like a flat experience where you everyone the, the only thing that you see different is that the avatar and it could be like a, not not even a Facebook avatar. So it, it, it gives an opportunity for people to express themselves differently, to differentiate themselves from other players. And it's really a great tool to 
have in the game to make people feel different later on, create, mm -hmm. create communities with, with one another. So it's something that, you know, really a, a great motivator. It's very cool. So all these things sound great. Um, I'm curious, can you explain retention in, let's say, a simple game like Solitaire or Sudoku? Because some of those games don't, I mean, from my perspective, doesn't seem to really have any of this stuff. And players come back and play that day after day for years. So I, I'm curious how retention kind of works in, you know, some games like that sometimes. Yeah, I mean, when creating a simple game like that, you probably want to put the no-brainers inside, like uh, a seven-day calendar, a 30-day <laughs> calendar, something that will give value to the players to come back day after day. So if I make it to the seventh day, I gain this really huge award or a booster in case of maybe uh, if there's like a free-to-play solitaire, uh, like Pick solitaire. Or if I come back to the game, let's say 30 days in a row, I get a huge award, maybe even a hard currency. So when creating a simple game like that, those are like the, the no-brainers that you can put. And there are many, many references. Some show the award and some other cases, it's a surprise. But to show to the player what he would gain from returning day after day is a key. And then you you add things like you did, you add the meta, you add the daily missions, you add the weekly progression, uh, you add social elements. And if it's a competitive game, you add leagues. It, it then builds up to mm -hmm. uh, an incrementing effect that you would have on retention. Uh, of course, like any other thing, you, you need to test everything to see how it affects your day one, day seven, day 30. Experiment with different variations. Don't just copy from another game and think okay this is going to work because everything has its own limit every game has its own audience so you need to tweak things you need to experiment you need to see if everything that that you do fits with the, the type of audience that you have and from there you, you keep adding and and see what, where you're getting into yeah, I'm not sure, though, that that really explains like how these games have retention currently because they don't have any of those things in it. So like it seems like there's something else here that maybe we're missing. Like, OK, here here's an idea. Um, is it just about the challenge or the feeling of accomplishment that you get when you complete a solitaire game and it feels good enough that you want to have that feeling again, especially if it took you a certain number of tries to get there or Sudoku, does it just feel good once you figure out the first couple and the rest of them just kind of start to fall in line? Like, is it a certain feeling that you get when you play a game that ultimately kind of drives retention? And some of these things are more superficial on top, so to speak. Yeah. So of course there's a sense of accomplishment when you do something, uh, the, the thing that you always need to keep in mind that just like you have a solitaire game, there are like 100 competitors out there. You need to find the reasons for player not to tomorrow go and tell some other game because mm -hmm. solitaire is solitaire. But the, <laughs> the, 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 the journey that you're giving to a player, the, the benefits that you will give to a player if he stays in your game is key here because... If I play solitaire 
I can play your game at the past few level. If I don't have like a thing to do in one day, one week, one month, if I don't, if you don't create those journeys in the game, those players will not stick around for a long time because they will go go and try out something new and something new and something new and until something sticks. So you need to find those little motivations for the players to stick in your game. And that's the key here. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, because I was thinking a little bit about like, you know, when I played League of Legends and, you know, I I remember one time when just for kicks, I decided to buy Teemo and Teemo's not really that good of a champion, but he's kind of trolly um, and I was in the mood to troll a little bit. And somehow I ended up going, you know, 18 and three in the game. I was MVP. I was killing people from across the map that ran into my shrooms. Like it was, it was amazing. It was a beautiful match. And I felt awesome after that. And do you know what it made me want to do? It made me want to play Teemo more. And I kid you not, I played another 20 or 25 games, maybe not that day, but over the course of like the next week or two where I played as Teemo and I got destroyed because, like I said, Timo really isn't that good of a champion. Like, I just got trounced. But I was, like, chasing that magical moment that I felt in the game. And, like, it didn't seem like many of these other core things were a driver at that point. It was like, I want to feel the way that I felt in that moment again. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, like, is that sort of feeling, like... Is that the underlying core of driving? So like, you know, let's take your um, jackpot party slots game. Is the feeling that you get when you finally hit that grand jackpot, like the thing that you're really chasing and some of this other stuff encourages you to make a habit of it or to come back and get some cool things or you get more opportunities to chase after that? Yeah, so what you're touching about something which is really important, which is the first time user experience. As a player comes into your game, you want to give him like a sense of this magical moment of this accomplishment. So we would get to chase it more and more and more. So for a slots game, the many games that do it, you log into the game, you play your first slot after a certain amount of spins, you hit the jackpot. And it's amazing, you feel great. You, it, it you feel that it might be artificial, but you want to do it yourself again and again, especially if you're addicted to this kind of you know genre. In other games, you play your first maybe battle royale or battle with other players. You get these wins, and 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 you want to have more of those, especially if the game celebrates it in in a good manner. You you want to get this ex excitement again and again. And it does touches sorry touches not only on the first time user experience in the game, but also in every level that you create. So, for example, for every new season of a collectible, you receive an, a pack, a free pack on the house, and you 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 open the pack and you get the cards of the collectibles, and you feel great because you know it, it, it's like when you were a kid and you went unwrapping the the, the little cards for a sticker pack, and you want to get this sensation again. So you go and chase it. You go and play the games, and you want to find those collectibles, uh, and it, it it's a it's a recurring team in in a lot of live ups that they say, okay, this first first experience is on us. 
So you get this taste and then you want to get more. So it's really about, you know, creating this excitement, this, you know, magical moment and, and make people want to get it again and again. Gotcha. Okay. It's very interesting. Um, I want to talk about rewards calendars a little bit. Um, I see them used in a lot of games. I'm curious, like, have you seen any best practices? Have you ever done them, let's say, wrong or like you you made some big changes and they negatively impacted you know your game or your attention or anything like that yeah what are your thoughts so uh from my experience we we use some of those in in the past like 30 days retention or weekly calendar and i think that the the key here is about the tuning because it's all about you know giving the right uh reward to the to the right player uh stretching it as as it goes because if you're too aggressive and you ask people to come in every single day just to get this one little reward they're not going to do it some people have lives they they do something they don't log in every single day so you don't you don't need to punish those uh like if you go into some games like coin master gardenscape you will have like this weekly uh, calendar and you have this monthly monthly bar above it so the weekly one uh, resets you every time that you miss uh, a day but the the, the monthly one or the, the long-term one doesn't like it accumulates on every login so you need to find a proper balance you need to uh, have those uh, things in the game that you would experiment and, and uh, with the different uh, rewards different uh, practices uh, try to think from a player perspective what it would be like to log in day after day. What would I gain from it if I lose it? If I lose one day because I have, you know, a holiday, I want to go out, I want to do something. How would it mm-hmm. would affect me? Uh, some games uh, even monetize uh, uh, from this thing. Like they offer like a, an insurance, so you won't lose the stuff while you're away. Uh, so there are many many ways to do it, but having like a, a, a a weekly or monthly calendar, I think it, it, it's a basic to a lot of casual games, uh, like a, a lot of mid-core as well. I can think of uh, Marvel Strike Force as one example of uh, a game that does it very well. Um, yeah, so there, there are many examples in the market for it. Mm. Okay, very interesting. I'm going to switch gears a little bit um, because in the last... 10 or 15 minutes here. I wanted to talk a little bit more about this idea of a personalized player experience or the idea that, you know, some players of, let's say, Clash Royale may come to the game because they have the social elements. Some players may come for the clan wars, some come for the events. Like, there's probably different parts of the game that they like uh, that brings them back. And if they can have more opportunities to do more of the thing that they love, they're probably more likely to be retained and keep coming back to do those things. Um, So I'm curious, like, how have you seen segmentation of player experiences used in a game well? So, Or have you even? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, segmentation, I think, is key to everything. Like, you don't have one journey that fits all so it touches on the rewards 
on the daily conference. Uh, it, it touches on the daily missions. It touches on the different challenges that you present to a player. Like if I'm a heavy player does, you know, a lot of sessions, I, I probably need a bigger challenge than someone who plays once a week with, with very low sessions. The rewards should be different as well. So everything that you do, you need to think of what, what is the right value for the right player? What is the right challenge for the right player? It touches on everything that you do in the game. Not, there's not one journey that fits everyone. It touches on the Fatui, it touches on the uh, daily mission, the, the daily calendar, touches on the different offers. Um, you need to experiment, you need to break uh, the different players into different groups that you identify according to the data. Um, of course, the one player who plays heavily doesn't have the same journey as a player who logs in once in a while, has a few sessions, that's it. So the, the challenges need to be different, the rewards need to be different. Uh, so it touches on really everything in the game. Um, yeah, so segmentation is super, super important once you establish your uh, audience, you have enough data that you can play with and see what different segments you have. Uh, and from there, do the experiments to break down, see what, what things uh, impact differently to different groups, and take it from there. That's great. Um, okay, so folks are probably, because I'm thinking of it, how do you actually segment or like what sort of segmentation would you do like on the Fatui? Like the players haven't really done anything yet. Like how and when should you change things for a player? Um, it, it's correct that they haven't done anything, but if for some companies, they have the data on what, which campaign they, those people came from. So you would be able to maybe segment it a bit differently you maybe have the option of you know experimenting a bit, uh, do different journeys and see which journey is the best one. Um, mm. Start your different features in different levels. See what things uh, are right for uh, different audiences. Maybe in some countries, let's say in the US, things work differently than for audience in the East. So you need, you need to work with this and, and see. Uh, of course, that later on, when they become regular players in the game, it's much easier to, to find out the, those uh, different uh, answers to different questions and segment there. Segment the offers according to different you know, buckets. Uh, segment the challenges according to how many days are in the game, what's your seniority, how often you play, uh, if it's like a social casino, what's your average breath? There, there's so many things you, you can do that touches on the different uh, uh, parameters that you have in the game, each to its own genre. And from there, you'll be able to, uh, with a lot of experimentation, uh, tailor the best experience for each user. Sounds like a lot of work. How many people does it take to actually be able to do something like that? Like, is this basically like a full-time job just doing segmentation and testing or? I think it does because you need to be fully focused on it. And of course, there's a lot of compromise. 
if you do a lot of testing, how long will you wait for the results to come? How confident are you in the results of the team? Um, do you feel confident enough with you know 80% accuracy or confidence in, in, the, in the data? Uh, some things are, you know, you leave to a hunch because the, the test results are not that, you know, uh, uh, strong. Um, we need to see, but for every company, I, I think it's best that they, they have team that, that this is dedicated to those tests. Of course, if, if your company is well divided into product, monetization, uh, I think it's well in the monetization area that you, on a daily basis, see what things happen in the game, do the different tests, um, target different parts of the game. Don't focus only on engagement, only on retention, only on monetization. Do different tests and see how those work out. And yeah, the more testing, the, the better because um, you wouldn't be able to find out those answers if you don't get the proper data. Yeah. What's the biggest mistake you've made or you've seen somebody else make related to segmentation? Yeah, so when I was in my first game, uh, the slate was pretty clean. We didn't have missions, we didn't have anything. So I took examples from other games in the company, other social design games for, for those you know, new features. And I remember we took uh, a daily mission feature and adapted it into our own game. And on the way, we took the different segmentation capabilities and, and, and formulas into our own audience and realized after the tests and after the, the, the impact, the low impact that we, we got from it, we realized that it wasn't tailored 100% to our audience. Our audience doesn't play the same amount of days. Our audience doesn't bet the same way. Our audience just play differently. So don't assume that one segmentation is good for two different games to a different audience. Uh, try to think ahead of the things that you have, the data that you can convert into those segmentation. And of course, iterate, iterate and iterate. Mm, that's great. Is there any way, like, if you could go back and do it today, like, would you design things differently or like there's, is there a way that you can use players, you know, play styles, behaviors or surveys or, or something like that you can get a better idea of like where to start with, with that. Yeah. Interview? So, so I think the thing that I will do differently is maybe to investigate data a, a bit better to better understand together with the analysts or BI or, or whoever is in charge of this area in the game to better understand who are the players in the game, what are the different patterns, how do, you, do they play differently, and from there to build the proper configuration and segments for the feature and not assume that, okay, I have the segments, those buckets would fit well into my game as well and, and you know, hope the best. So, of course, this is like a, a rookie mistake, but it's still a good lesson to learn that not everything acts the same way, not, none, and not, not two games are the same, not two audiences are the same, and you need to better understand your players and how they behave.
Cool. That's great. Well, Yossi, I think we're just about out of time here. So um, I don't know. Do we want to do our last uh, unofficial question where we ask a retention since we've spent most of the episode on it? Do you have any magical tricks or tips that you uh, haven't already covered? I think that the key here is to build your way up. Don't go for the season pass. Don't go for the, the, the very, you know, uh, long-term retention things. First of all, make sure they, they stay in the game for one day, then seven days, then 30 days, and then work your way from there. Because if you build from the bottom, you will be able to connect the dots better. One feature that contributes into day one retention could contribute to the day seven retention. You, you would add like, add like incrementing effects on, on those feature and overall you will be able to see the long-term effect of it uh, after a while um experiment again over and over and over again look for the data look for the things that you think your players are here to play they're here you, you have the privilege to to entertain them in their look. 15 minutes of glory or one hour of uh, fun time in a day, make sure that you deliver the best experience, uh, make sure that the, the, the first time they play in the game it will be as amazing as possible because these are the things that will they will look for when they continue playing the game. That's great. Well, thank you much, Yossi. Uh, if people do have any questions or follow-up or anything, is there a good way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, you can contact me on LinkedIn. It's, it's all good. and I will... Be, be very, very happy to answer any question awesome. on any subject. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.